1: The History of Fashion, a podcast where we explore the who, what, when, of why we wear. We are fashion historians and your hosts, April Callahan. And Cassidy Zachary. Okay, dress listeners, we would like to paint a picture for you,
0: or rather bring to life a photograph. So a woman sits quietly. She's thoughtfully embroidering in what has to be one of the most beautiful dresses I have ever laid eyes on. It is made of the most brilliantly colored red silk. The tailored bodice fits her like a glove from which cascades this giant skirt that pillows on the floor at her feet. The dress is remarkable in that it is covered in embroidery, a combination of abstract and figurative motifs in a range of shapes, sizes, and colors. And closer inspection actually brings the extraordinary diversity and range of embroidered elements into more vivid detail. And you realize that no two motifs are alike. There's starbursts, sunflowers, birds. You can even make out the words, you are beautiful, embroidered beneath a giant spider web that spans the entire back of the bodice. It's since underneath an embroidered sunflower, or is it a sun shining over the garment at the base (laughs) of the wearer's neck? Like a Bosch painting, one could spend hours reveling in the details and the incredible hand craftsmanship and skill that really went into the millions of stitches that adorns this magnificent masterpiece.
1: And zooming in on this image reveals that our adorned sitter is actually embroidering the very gown that she's wearing. So zooming out a little bit, you also realize that she's doing so within a plexiglass frame. So she and the dress both are on exhibition. And the woman wearing the dress is Kirstie McLeod, and she is the visionary artist behind the aptly titled Red Dress Project. And this project is an award-winning global collaboration empowering women from around the world to tell their stories through embroidery. And Kirsty is just one of 200 women and two men from 28 different countries who have contributed to the embroidery that is on this dress. And she's going to join us today to share the stories behind this incredible 11-year artistic endeavor. So Kirsty, welcome to Dress.
2: Kirstie, welcome to Dressed. Thank you. It's really lovely to be here. Thank you
1: for having me.
0: We are here, of course, to talk about your incredible... 11-year award-winning global embroidery project, the red dress. On your website, it says 202 embroiderers, 28 countries. And then of course, you have this one exceptional dress to show for it. And we are going to hear all about that in a minute. But first, I'd love to learn a little bit more about yourself and your work. If you really contextualize the red dress within your larger body of work, for instance, it really becomes clear that dress, Textiles, textile processes are central themes in your art. What inspired your foray into this medium and why is it an important
2: part of what you do? Thank you. It's a great question. I've always been interested in fabric and textures and embroidery, needles, threads. I've always had a calling towards using those mediums. So I studied textiles as soon as I could um, and then did a A degree in textile design and then I did an MA in visual language which was a little bit more abstract but essentially it also brought in this element of the performativity within art. So we did courses on like theatre design and lighting and filmmaking and all these kind of things and it really brought in this whole dynamic of or uh, way of working with liveness. So having a piece of art, a sculpture is, is one thing but then having it kind of changing form or breaking down or building up or moving or something. It it just brings this whole other element, this kind of theatricality, performative quality, which I really was excited by. So I began using dresses a lot as a way to articulate, I guess, the self or a body, a female body. And I did various pieces of work where, in some cases, the dress and the wearer would be in a battle locked in some kind of a battle together or maybe the dress was articulating emotions that the wearer couldn't do by herself so there was this kind of duet or a dynamic or a dance that was going between a woman and her garments I also did work where it was just the dress like suspended as like a sculpture but yeah kept coming back to this theme time and time again And just before the red dress, I created two other pieces of work. So it was almost like a triptych, for three pieces. And they were all involving me wearing a garment. And it was expressing an emotion, a feeling, a a dynamic, a a process without me really doing anything. It was the dress that was conveying the message. They all have a darkness to them or not even a darkness, but like an undertone a kind of feminist undertone, some of them less subtle than others. But (laughs) in particular, um, the other two pieces, one is Emelan, The Dreaming Dress, which was inspired by a poem by Yeats called The Cloths of Heaven, which is an exquisite poem. But in it, he talks about uh, tread softly because I'm putting my dreams underneath your feet, like tread softly because you're treading on my dreams. So it really kind of evoked this feeling of fragility but also this beautiful kind of quality of surrender and, and opening and giving. But just how fragile and vulnerable that can also be. And so it was myself wearing a huge blue dress that filled the whole gallery space where it was commissioned for in London. So and I was curled up asleep in the middle. So the skirt just kind of billowed out all the way around. And it was bright, bright blue kind of as um, a painting by Edward Millay, this woman standing by a window in this particular blue dress and I was captivated again by this colour blue. So you come into the space and you get this very high impact kind of colour and then you see me asleep in the middle. So I think it kind of, for people that, that experienced it, it was this real kind of duality of, oh gosh, that's really beautiful. But also, I'm quite unsettled because she's just lying on the floor. And oh my goodness, I have to walk all over the dress to see the work on the walls. So you'd have some people skirting around the edges, really uncomfortable, not wanting to tread on the fabric. Others who just found it really fun and interesting and they had no concept at all. But essentially, I was putting myself in quite a vulnerable position just being asleep there. But I really wanted to raise those questions you know, being trodden on and, and being walked over and not not very subtle messages. <laughs> just, this is how I was feeling at the time. Then the other one was Lacrimosa, which was uh, commissioned by Guern, uh, the Guernsey Arts Commission. And I was invited to do a piece of water in the sea. So I was wearing a, a dress that was knitted from 30,000 meters of fishing line. Wow! I worked with a few knitters yeah, on machines to, to knit it up. It was vast. And then the whole bottom of the dress was weighted with really big sea weights, like fishing weights. So I was wearing the dress under the water. And the dress obviously kept wanting to pull me down because it was weighted. And I kept trying to kind of come up. So it was this kind of cyclical battle between me and this dress and it was inspired a lot by the textile heritage of that area which was the fishermen jumpers and how each parish or village on the island had their own unique patterns and formations and actually when uh, sailors were pulled up from shipwrecks when they were their bodies were found that was often how they were identified it wasn't from a wallet because they didn't have wallets then it was to do with the, the, the jumper they were wearing so the piece of work on that level really honoured that space, this kind of in-between life and death, the cyclical nature of being pulling up and, and drawing down. But another kind of expression of my work at the time, which was this kind of feeling overwhelmed and oppressed by something. So then the red dress came, a commission for that from Art Dubai. And I was, I still had these kind of feelings I wanted to convey. But aside from that, I was looking into the Dubai textile heritage and learned about the silk trade and about embroidered cloths. So that was the kind of initial seed. And then I actually spent most of my life, my childhood, traveling uh, abroad in various countries with my parents and my sisters. So I had this real fascination and I was very exposed to different cultures from a very early age. And I all loved the idea of doing a piece of work that would combine as many different identities on one piece as possible as a way of uniting and taking down borders and just having one piece. I didn't know if it would work. I didn't know if we'd get past a year, but in that first instance, the dress was worn by me inside a Perspex cube. So at that point, again, I was trying to kind of convey a little bit of a message there. However, that cube has now come away from the piece as the red dress has moved from an art installation really is what it started off as in a gallery it's now kind of moved out from that space. It's become more of a community piece, certainly outside of the box. The dress is now displayed by itself on a mannequin, just so you can see all the embroidery. Um, she's like empowered now and strong. And it's less about me trying to make statements with, with the work anymore. It's much more about celebrating the feminine and, and all that is.
0: Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's absolutely stunning. It's, as you said, it's now finished after 11 years of sending it uh, around the world. It involves embroiders from all over 28 different countries, 210 two different individuals. I love if you can take us a bit through the process of creating this dress. As you mentioned, it did evolve over time. I'm sure it kind of changed. Yeah. The project changed uh, as you started going. But can you tell us about what it was like? I mean, and I can't imagine that compiling all of these different artisans' work into this one dress was an easy one. <laughs>
2: yeah, it, it was very organic. So the bodice was designed with lots of different pieces and the skirt again, in a way that was uh, lent itself to, to having lots of strips or panels taken out of it. But I didn't know how long it would even even go for. So initially, the bodice pieces were done, then it was assembled, and then actually it was reassembled three times over the eleven years just to incorporate all the new pieces of work. I think if I did the project again, I'd try and be a little bit more organized and like maybe work out the sections and then send out very specifically sized pieces. But as it happened, it was so organic, like how the commissions happened. And some people wanted to do really big pieces. Other people wanted to do really small pieces. And so I just really went with that. So what it did mean is that every few years the dress was totally taken to pieces and then it had to be reassembled just to keep all the balance and the continuity within the garment. Because there are so many really strongly colored, really vibrant, really big, you know, motif pieces. And then there are also some very, very beautiful subtle ones. So trying to make all those work and sit together was quite a mission in itself, but a very worthwhile one. (laughs) And you mentioned it started out as a
0: commission for Art Dubai and it started out as this installation piece. How did the project evolve from that very first exhibition?
2: It's it's so interesting because it's really mirrored my own life journey. Um, When the piece was created, I was a very ambitious installation artist living in London. I'm now out in the countryside, a mother of two children. I'm also a yoga teacher and my life is super simple and very connected to nature and natural cycles. It's almost like it was, I think, after about the second or third year, I really kind of began to question how the dress was being viewed what the message really was. And also it was beginning to reach like really far. I didn't have that understanding or knowing at the time. So I think once it had got to maybe year three or four, it was really like, wow, okay, this is really doing something by itself now. And it doesn't feel appropriate that it's only in these very, you know, highbrow galleries in London. It just just doesn't feel right. I want to get the dress out there. Um, And it was much more about connecting with people having you know meaningful connections and meaningful experiences and taking the dress wherever it was invited really. And that's kind of how it evolved is that um, initially I was really struggling to find people to do it because they didn't understand the idea of you know so many pieces of work often overlapping, going underneath each other. It was really hard actually. But then once the project gained momentum, then people were like, oh yeah, 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 I'd really love to do it. Or and then I was being emailed by people saying, could they do it? So that that was brilliant. But I think also it's not just within my own life, it's also within the greater global kind of consciousness is more and more people are now realising that connections are actually really important. And it's less important for me now that the dress is exhibited in so-and-so museum or so-and-so gallery, but actually it's about being able to share the story of someone who has been through so much in their lives and they've created this beautiful work And creating a platform for their voices to be heard, that kind of, I think it was after a certain amount of of very harrowing stories and beautiful pieces were created by lots of the women in the marginalized communities and realizing that I had a bit of responsibility with what the piece was becoming and to try and make a difference to their lives.
0: Really, Yeah. And that's a really a constant theme on Dressed actually is we're always speaking about how the act of dressing the body or, you know, actually textile art, also embroidery, embroidering things that will go on the body. You know, there's so many different forms of dressing the body, be it tattooing, perfuming, clothing, embroidered clothing. It's this incredible expression of our shared humanity. And the Red Dress Project really encapsulates that and so much more. This project, as you just mentioned, is as much about the women who embroidered the dress as it is about preserving and celebrating really this incredibly ancient and beautiful art form. I'd love if you could introduce us to a few of the different embroiderers who worked on the dress and the significance of their stories to the finished product. I mean, there's over 200 individuals who contributed, um, but if you wouldn't mind highlighting a few of them for us, I would love to hear more. Yeah, I'd love
2: to do that. So within those 202, there were 50 commissioned artisans who did big pieces of work that are formally organized pieces of work then there were about another 50 that were created by groups of women and then the other ones were people that added something in drop-in events so there's kind of varying levels of involvement within the artisans but the 28 commissioned artisans wow it's hard to hard to narrow it down but um I, I can certainly say the most moving piece of work on the dress was created in Rwanda by a group of eight women who work for Kissini which is a a beautiful textile label run by a Belgian woman and she's incredible she uh, has created this space for these women to be trained in very very fine needlework and then they embroider these lovely designs um, onto linens which are sold all across the world but um, the support that this gives these women is just phenomenal so within their culture, so following all the genocide and the war that they all went through, which was just utter hell, most of them, the women that I'm talking about, were, were are widows. They lost their husbands and children, sometimes right in front of them. And within their culture, they are then ostracized because it's not deemed acceptable to be a widow. So there were stories of how in social gatherings, these women weren't even allowed to sit down on a chair. They have to go to the back of the room. They're not even deemed <laughs> enough to sit and talk to their family. So she created these groups, and these women are, are being trained, are, are earning money, earning regular income, are also um, able to take loans out from the company. So they're able to buy their own homes, which is just phenomenal and totally life changing. But I think equally as important, it's the shared community. It's all these women coming together, sitting in a space together working together and they're healing, they're connecting, you know, they've been through this shared experience and it's through the work that they're doing, you know, that is just, is helping and healing them on so many different levels. So the piece of work itself is very naively constructed and almost that adds the edge to it. Their work is usually incredibly intricate and fine, but they've, they chose to do it in a very kind of almost childlike way. And it's a little uh, child in the center created in black And then over his head, he's cowering, there's a machete and there's a tall man over the top of him. And it's inside a tiny, tight black circle, which spirals out and it goes through around the cycle. There's like a river of blood and there's a tree on fire. And then the circle becomes more expansive and starts going into rainbow colours. And it keeps going out and out and out until it turns into a sun. So it's this kind of real duality of what you're looking at, like hell and then coming into heaven. But they call it From Darkness to Light, and it's their journey that they've been through from the genocide and from all the war and then being able to rebuild their lives into where they are now. So that sits in the front panel going down on the front of the dress. Um, There's one from Colombia and one from Peru where they're both created in really, really, really vibrant colours, by um, yeah, Catalina in Colombia and Martha in Peru using very traditional stitches to their countries traditional colors but really booming blasting flowers like wow and I just find them so vibrant and yeah all the work that they do is is really it kind of honors their tradition and their culture but also it has their own individuality as well and then we have yeah the sister stitch from Kosovo so uh, refugees who are now back in Kosovo, rebuilding their lives. A group of amazing women called Sister Stitch. And they created a beautiful, very simple design just in white and it's of uh, doves, four different dove birds. And then they've written a beautiful poem which they've scribed inside of each of the doves as you go the way, the way around. But it sticks out because it's the only one just in pure white, which is really, really special. And then Anastasia from Russia, she did. Oh, I've got a picture here for you. It's um, a serene bird.
0: Oh wow. So
2: it's the head of a woman and then the body of a bird. And she said, The serene brings luck and good fortune. So you need one on the dress. So I'm gonna make you a serene. So it's like brilliant, that's that's great. And then yeah, we have um oh here's Amanda from Wales. So she did a beautiful blackbird. She made it in wool, and it's a blackbird that she sees every day at her studio. But it's incredible that she's created this. It's very, very dense, very, very thick embroidery. Bit on this delicate silk and it's, it's masterfully created but that's the thing that they're all so different at times I was worried is it too different how are they going to work together but I think that now that is part of it and I love the little kind of situations that are now happening on the dress where you've got like you know the, the, the white dove which is now nestled into a purple vine or something of the accompanying piece and it's lovely it's really lovely they're kind of speaking to each other within the garment. And they're all, of course, connected
0: by the fact that this is, the dress is red, right? Yes. The base of everyone's embroidery is this incredible red dress with this fitted bodice and then this huge, expansive skirt.
2: Can you tell us about the significance of the color red to the project? You can't ignore red. That's the thing, is it? (laughs) (laughs) It's so strong. And it's such an intense feeling. Like for me, when I think of red, it's like love and anger. And it's like intense. For me personally, it's like, I had something to say and I wanted it to be seen Um, but also you know love it's passion blood you know it's all these very very powerful words and feelings and I toyed with the idea of doing it blue for a while but I think that it just the red had a more rich kind of vibrant quality to it and I feel really happy with the choice now I think it works for for the project and, and for the meaning of it all. And you've talked about it a little bit,
0: but from the debut of the project at Art Dubai in 2009, embodiment has really been a central theme to the dress's display over the years. At first, as you mentioned, you were the wearer. It was exhibited. You were wearing it in this plexiglass box and you're contemplatively embroidering the dress for like hours on end while people are kind of circling this box. But that really changed as the project evolved. And and a lot of the images I've seen uh, many of these women are wearing the dress and it's being embroidered while they're wearing it, for instance. So how did this project evolve over time mm-hmm. where, you know, we see it
2: you being the center of it and
0: then it kind of expanding to this more broader meaning?
2: It's a good question. So it very much, it really was about me and my work at the beginning uh, as an installation artist. And I was a part of the work and all the work I was doing, but it didn't sit comfortably with me after th- The first year or two it felt like it just didn't really work and I remember the moment when I first saw someone else wearing it and it was this huge relief because it was like okay that makes sense to me now (laughs) you know um (laughs) it's really never been about me but like even now, sometimes people were like, but I want a picture of you wearing it. I'm like, I don't really have any now. i got one of me in, in a hotel in Mexico, which is, that, that's the one now. But apart from that, i it's much more about the collective voices and the collective women and connections. And it's not about an artist and her dress, you know? It's about the 202 artisans and this dress. I feel like my role now is merely supporting it. Um, initially, obviously, like, I conceived the idea but it's become something a lot bigger than that and I I love seeing other women wearing it and so in Mexico there was a lovely afternoon where we went to go and visit one of the embroiderers Zeneda with her family and community and uh, in her kitchen we set the dress up for and uh, we just we got the dress out and then one of the ladies that came was like just the right size so I said oh would you like to wear it and she was you could see she really did but she's also a little bit shy um, because it's not subtle obviously it's it's quite a big <laughs> it's, it's quite a big dress to be wearing but yeah she put it on and um, it was so lovely it was so so lovely to see her in it and uh, one of the ladies asked her how do you feel how do you feel and it was translated and she said I feel like a queen and I feel connected to all the other women who have wow. been involved in this dress and um, it really that really moved me and it is that like I think sometimes when people see the dress it's almost a bit too much like uh, one of the video filmmakers that's doing the documentary at the moment sometimes she can't look at it all because it's too much for her overwhelms her and especially when you really like hone in you realize that every little stitch in there that someone's put in with an intention and with a purpose and with a feeling and with an emotion and so I think yeah, wearing it is a big ask. Also, it's 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 corset boned, so it's a real kind of experience to wear it. It just feels epic on all levels. So I'm told it feels very empowering. You feel very, uh, I think it's very feminine, a very special, you know, all these lovely feelings. But I think I, I really don't feel it's about me. The dress. And I'm really happy for it to now be going off and doing its thing and for as many women to wear it as, as possible, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you put it out into the world and then it really just took, literally put it out into the world. And yeah. then it, literally, it yeah. took on its life, on a life of its own Yeah, um, it which, because of all of these different women contributing to it in all of these different ways. I mean, it's so incredible. Our dress listeners, of course, will Google it immediately if they're not already aware of it and look at how incredible and epic this dress really, really is. And the dress is now complete after 11 years. What do you, looking back on this whole experience, what do you ultimately hope people will take away from this project, And perhaps what has this project even taught you?
2: Oh wow. yeah. The, the first word that comes to mind is "unity and connection," for you the second, I think. It has enabled so many different women from around the world to come together. And I love it now when I'm emailing all the artisans about various things because I'm collecting information and things. And I just love that. And I love that I have a a call with someone in Mexico to check in about something. And then, you know, so it's this, like I'm in my little house in the countryside, but yet I'm able to connect with all these amazing women. And um, I think at the moment, particularly with everything that's going on with the world and all the borders and boundaries and the, the isolation and the separation and all these things that are happening, it's perhaps even more potent a reminder that we are all one. And I, I know that we're not completely there yet, that we've got a lot a way to go. But on an energetic level, we are all one. And there are so many things that can come between us. But to have a vehicle or to have something where you can tangibly see you know, all these different voices coming together on, on one place, it's uniting. It's a uniting piece of work. And that's what I would hope people could experience when they see it it's like a reminder of, oh, ah, yeah, you know, we can, we can all come together. And actually, you know, when you do all come together, what can be created? For me personally, it's been a huge, huge learning curve for me in so many ways. It's hard to even hone it down. I think for me like in so many ways this real true understanding of how important it is to community and and connection and what can be achieved and healed through coming together with other people it's so much less important about kind of my own ego stuff you know my own kind of personal achievements and my personal this whereas when I was younger it was hugely about that you know I was very ambitious in that kind of way. And, and and now it's it's not there at all. I think it's much more, I would much rather have a meaningful conversation with someone and, and make a difference than have my work exhibited in X, Y and Z gallery. It's two poles apart. And I think, yeah, just this universal language of embroidery as well. You know, it's been around forever and I'm sure will continue to be around. And no matter what age you are, what language you speak, you know, wherever you are in life, you can have that same intention of that same process I find that magical
0: I really do yeah it absolutely is magical that's actually an excellent word for what you do (laughs) and what you've done with this dress and what everyone's collectively brought to this dress um such a beautiful expression of our shared humanity in more ways than one so before I let you go I'd love to hear what's next for the red dress embroidery project I heard you mention a documentary
2: Yes. So um, that process began about a year ago, or maybe even 18 months ago. So two lovely filmmakers from Black Blackbark Films in Bristol, so an hour away from where I am, are creating a documentary film. In fact, there's going to be two of the dress. They, were, they filmed me doing lots of different various events and happenings with the dress. And they also came with me to Mexico when the dress was completed in March of last year. However, obviously, with everything that's happened with the world, everything's been on pause. But hopefully this year now, we're going to get a 10 minute one, which will be like a visual accompaniment to the dress and exhibition, which will just really outline the essentials of the the dress and the background and the artisans. Um, But they're also working on a a full 45, 50 minute, which will really go into all the depths of the piece. And so what the dress, its journey, the artisans and myself within that whole mix, really. Um, hopefully a book. Loads of people are contacting me saying, where's the book? Where's the book? Absolutely. (laughs) That's my next question. (laughs) Yeah. I have so much documentation and stories and images, which actually I'm now beginning to really try and compile. And yeah, so a book would be a wonderful thing to happen and then it's about really getting it out there in terms of exhibition now I I really would love as many people to see the dress as possible and also obviously share the stories of all the artisans involved so hopefully this year it's going to have a few UK things going on because I can't really do anything at the moment then all going well it'll go Kosovo the end of the year to do an exhibition alongside the artisans. So now, wherever the dress is exhibited, I'm hoping to also exhibit exhibit the artisans' work alongside it. It'll be with Sister Stitch, and I think it'll be in a few different places within Kosovo. And then it's going to head to London, to the Hampton Court Palace for three or four months at the Royal School of Needlework, which will be fantastic. And then it goes to the US. Oh, wonderful. It's going to go on a tour. So at the moment, I can say it's going to go to Arizona, to the Phoenix Art Museum, it's going to go to Pittsburgh, venue still to be confirmed. And then it's going to go to Vermont, uh, the Vermont Arts Centre. So that'll be over the course of about a year and a half. So really long exhibitions in each of those places. And then it's going to go to South Africa to a big festival there. And yeah, just I think it's just going to keep touring, really. Keep it flowing. Um, just see what, what the dress knows where she's going. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really supporting. <laughs>
0: Kirstie, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing this incredible
2: project. Absolute pleasure. It's been a real real joy to talk to you. Thank you.
0: And where can dress listeners learn more about your wonderful work?
2: Great. So yeah, there's a, a kind of website that they are up at the moment. It's not extensive. It's going to be modified this year, but it's reddressembroidery.com. And then also it's got quite a big social media presence going on in Instagram and Facebook. Both of them are reddressembroidery. I kind of keep all the social media updated with happenings and events and various things like that. And then there'll be various drop-in events as well, connected to exhibitions for people to come and, you know, hot touch the dress and then maybe add a few stitches to it themselves.
0: Oh, wow. Wonderful. So much
1: to look forward to.
2: I can't (laughs) wait. Thank
1: you so much. Thank you so much. Christy, thank you so much for sharing all of the stories behind this amazing red dress. And you know, Cass, like what an incredible project and also a beautiful testament to the power of dress. And in this case, an embroidered dress to really kind of like express all of our shared humanity and and that's why we make this podcast really exactly. you know she only touched on a few of the hundreds of stories literally stitched into this dress you know embroiderers include women refugees from Palestine victims of civil war in Kosovo Rwanda DR Congo, women from South Africa, Mexico, Egypt, Peru, Sweden, Colombia, Russia, India. I mean, it it just keeps going. So I love this so much. This project has really given many of these women a platform and a voice. And it's not just going to stop with the stress. No,
0: it's not because she actually mentioned the documentary, but also the project's website tells us, quote, details of the artisan's embroidery and unique stories will soon be available together with modes of contact for people interested in commissioning work from the Red Dress Embroiderers, which is just incredible. And today's interview really only scratches the surface of this incredible project, which you can explore for yourselves at reddressembroidery.com. You can also stay up to date about the dress project by following along on the Instagram at
1: the red dress underscore embroidery. I think that does it for us today, dress listeners. May you consider using embroidery to express your voice and experiences next time you get dressed. Remember we do love hearing from you all, so please email us at dressed at iheartmedia.com. You can also DM us on Instagram at dress underscore podcast, where you will always find images accompanying each week's episode and, or episodes, plural, I should say. Um, But you can also follow us on Facebook at dress podcast without the underscore. And if you have
0: a moment to take the time to rate and review us on your podcast listening platform of choice, we always appreciate your support. And as always, special thanks to our producers, Casey Pegram, Holly Fry, and everyone else at iHeartRadio who makes this show possible each and every week.
1: More Dress coming your way on Thursday.
0: Dress,
1: the history of fashion, is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your favorite shows.